Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. I would like to introduce our sermon series, uh, the next sermon series on family matters, okay? Family matters. And we have just concluded our three-part sermon series, okay, on worship at work. And I trust that many of you have been challenged to view your work as worship unto the Lord, okay? And that your workplace is your mission field. Your workplace is the pulpit that the Lord has given you. Now, this, starting from this week, we embark on a new three-part series called Family Matters. Family Matters. You know, family is under attack in our culture. And it's important to come back to God's design for the family. You know, that God designed the family as worship unto Him. So family matters to God and is an integral part of our lives. And we need God to shape our hearts and our perspectives so families can thrive according to God's design. And uh, so I will now hand over the time to Pastor Ernie, who has been putting a lot of effort into shaping this series, so that let's welcome him. Yeah. Morning, church. Okay, no mind, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, so good to see all of you here on this uh, Sunday morning. And like all the young shared, um, the family is one of the topics that we revisit every year. Uh, and there's a reason for it, because I'm not sure if you have actually noticed what's happening in the world today. Um, the family is under attack. And I think as of a couple of weeks ago, you see it in Singapore as well. It, now it is, um, it is past 3 cents and AAD. Now it's about what happens next after that. All right? I just want to, as an introduction, just want to give you a number of things that's happening in the world today, just to show you, you know, how... Uh, different the family has become or how, how much attack the family unit has come under, alright? Now, if I can have the slides, <clears throat> you can see this slide here. In Mexico, you will find that, you know, they, are, they actually have this thing called a two-year marriage, right? A two-year. If we enjoy it, we can renew it yearly, yearly, okay? Every year can renew it. Very good, right? Yeah. If you don't like it, then you quite quit, all right? Yeah. And uh, I think all of us know that the LGBT thing has been at the forefront a lot, not just in Singapore, but in the world today as well. So many Western countries, you know, they are very impacted by this. And um, it has become something very vocal in the world today. Right? So if you move on to next, the next slide, you see even um, today, things have become so weird that people are not just marrying humans, you're marrying a robot as well. Uh, I <laughs> and, you know, some marry their dogs, you know, some marry the robots that they created. And I mean, the world today is really becoming, um, uh, uh, in, I don't know what else, what other words I can use, but a bit siaula, okay, a bit uncomprehendable, you know. And a lot, and in our days, when we talk about dating, we talk about a couple, two people. Nowadays, the trend in America is that when you talk about dating, you talk about this thing called trouble. It means there's three people in the relationship. And um, and how about Singapore? How about the nation of Singapore? Well, as Elder uh, mentioned this now, uh, 377A is going to be abolished uh, pretty soon. The government has already decided it's going to be a debate, uh, but we all know that it's just formalities, right? Yeah, so, um, and Pink Dot has been quite vocal in Singapore as well, um, advocating in the sense what they call freedom, what they call equal rights, and um, the definition of family 
of gender and of marriage is about to be changed because we're stepping into that unknown as a whole nation. Yeah? And in Singapore, uh, just read you one quote here from um, when I was growing up, last time when we used to watch Channel 8, right, I have a number of crushes, lah, okay, of all these days as actress. So this is one of the ladies that I got crushed on. So I'm very sad when she wrote this. Lah. Okay, she says this, okay, times have changed and I don't think we need to rely on men anymore. Women can be independent too. Even if I find a man who's willing to grow old with me, I don't think registering our marriage is necessary. And cock, so sad she said that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but it does show you the the environment that we live in, that people no longer value family, people no longer value marriage. All of these things have been diluted in society. And even in the church as well, if you look at the next slide, you know, we have, um, we have pastors advocating for same-sex, same-sex marriages and, and, and the, the redefinition of family, marriage and gender. We have pastors doing that, not in America, but in Singapore in Singapore. So because of that, right, um, Singapore is entering into a future that is very unknown to us. You know, that the typical family is now may not just be father, mother, and children. It can be something else. And that's the environment, that's the world that not just we, but our children will grow up in. So as a church, we need to know how do we approach this? What is our stand in all this? What does God's word ultimately say about the family, about gender, about marriage? And it's important for us to know. And that is why we're doing this series. About two weeks back, um, I, ha I had the permission from um, our youth ministry, Mega Life, to do a survey among uh, all our youths to ask them how their families are doing. Now, if you want to know the truth, you don't talk to the adults, you talk to the youth, right? And they will tell you everything about the family, okay? So I track all of you already, okay? I know what's happening all your family, so right. No, just kidding. Everything is done anonymously. I don't know who are the ones who responded. Uh, but I just want to throw, throw you some statistics to show you the state of the family in our church, okay? The state of family in our church. Now, uh, according to this survey, which I think we survey about close to 200 people who submitted the surveys, right? 61% of our young people in the church have no connection to an older generation in the church. It means that if something happens to them in the Mega Life Youth Service, they're not likely to come to the adults and say, hey, help me. They'll find it outside. They'll find it somewhere else because there's no connection to someone in the adult. 12% of our young people hate their siblings. 20% <laughs> of our young people wish they had grown up in a different family. Wow. Half of our megalifers feel that their parents uh, are not good role models for marriage. Oh, sorry. Only half of megalifers feel that their parents are good role models for marriage. And that's very sad for me. That's really very sad. Okay? And 34% of megalifers agree that their parents, only 34% agree that their parents are good role models of what a Christian should look like. And last but not least, 43.9% um, wish their parents are more empowering, not so much a helicopter parent, more empowering. Now, this is really the state of our families in the church. 
So that's why this series is so important. And then I'll, uh, the, the, in the final question in the survey that I gave them was this. If you have one thing to say to your parents, what will it be? Okay, are you ready for this? Okay, so I'm just going to throw the, the hundreds of responses, but just going to throw a few things just as a setup for this whole sermon. Okay, number one is this. Please don't work so hard. Come home. Can you turn off screen time? Number two, I'm going through a hard time. I hope you all can recognize that you too need to improve, not just us. You can't love your kids if you don't love your partner. Wow, there's a preacher there. And last but not least, please don't stop leaving the dishes in the sink. <laughs> now, if the family comes to that, you know that it's not in a good state, right? <laughs> yeah, but you know, at the core of it, right, we can see that a lot of families, in a sense, we are not functioning, um, we're not thriving. We're not thriving as families, majority of us here, and maybe even for my family as well, we're not thriving. And there's a reason for it. At the core of what's happening in Singapore, what's happening in our families is this, that there is an advancement by the kingdom of darkness to plunge society deeper and deeper into darkness. That is what is happening in the spiritual realm. And if we as a church don't make a stand, if we as a church don't take responsibility and say, this is our generations, these are our families, you know what? It's just going to overrun us. So that's why we're doing this series, okay? That's why we're doing this series, because the answer to the oppression of the enemy is the family unit and the church. That's why we're doing this series. Now, uh, having said that, I know that uh, a series like this of three sermons is very difficult for us to go very, very deep into um, the, the, the different topics because there's so many implications, right? So for this particular sermon, right, um, I've prepared for you guys some extra things, okay, to help us to look at some of the topics that we can't cover on the Pulpit series. So here, here are some announcements for you, okay? Number one is this. For these three weeks, uh, this week and the two weeks in November, first two weeks in November, uh, we will be releasing a self-reflection guide so that you have some, something to take home and reflect on what's happening in your life, what's happening in your families, and some of the things that you can do to change, all right? Because we don't want the sermons to just be a good talk. We want it to translate into everyday life, into your living life, okay? So the link is on the screen or in your digital bulletin, which I think you can easily access through a website. And number two, for the last uh, two, three weeks, myself and uh, Josh, uh, our worship leader, has spent time with a number of individuals uh, um, exploring certain topics that we can't talk on the pulpit because of time. Um, so we produce, I think, about 12 episodes of podcasts. Okay, so that we can talk about issues that we can't deal on the stage. Things like autism, how do you parent when things are difficult? How do you do marriage when you, when you have lost a spouse? How do you deal with that? Things that we don't, we don't have the time to talk about at the pulpit. We want to uh, hopefully settle through it through the podcast. Okay? So on the 6th of November, we'll be releasing one set of podcast episodes that deal with marriage and the family. And then 13 of November, we're going to talk about parenting, a number of episodes. And, and I think I was so blessed as I went through all the podcast episodes because, you know, there's so much wisdom, so much insight, okay? But having said that, I need you all to, 
to manage your expectation, okay? We are not like uh, Rick Warren and all that, you know, like uh, we are different now, okay? In a sense, we just started out, okay? So do forgive us if, let's say, our quality is not as good as these guys, all right? But I think we are a bit better. No, I'm just kidding, okay? But just, as, uh, just adjust your expectation a bit, okay? Because, uh, yeah, it's our first time doing it. But we hope that through these episodes, you can actually um, gain some insights and delve deeper into some of the topics that I can't cover through this puppet series, right? And last but not least, <clears throat> also in light of the family series, we want to screen a movie documentary called Irreplaceable. And we're going to do it on the 6th of November. It's a movie documentary that's very, very powerful. I've watched it uh, a number of times, so I encourage you, you know, if you have the time, after the, the first service on 6th of November, there's no more second service, we're going to come together and we're going to watch it together as a whole church. It's a powerful documentary about the family unit. What is wrong with the family? What is wrong with the family? It's produced by Focus on the Family. And just to help you understand what is going on in the movie, I want to just show you a very, very short preview of that movie. Okay, so if you can play it. A couple more questions. How important is your family to you? Very important. Can you tell me why? If you didn't have a family, you would die because you, you need love to live. <coughs> As I contemplate the world around me, I'm perplexed. I've always believed in traditional family. Man and woman marry, they have and raise children, they remain committed for a lifetime. But every day in the media, the life choices of my neighbours, even in public policy, I seem to be told that I've got it wrong. The biggest change that's taken place in education over the last generation actually has nothing to do with schools, uh, but everything to do with what's happened to the family in the last generation. Dad is just not there on a regular basis. Out of wedlock, childbirths have gone through the roof. We're at about 40%. Uh, right now, if all births are out of wedlock. 24 million children in America have um, no biological fathers in their home. Was divorcing after many years of marriage. Is it time, Danielle, to acknowledge the end of traditional marriage and embrace some new ideas about romance and family. It's time for me to really get into my life. Think about me as an individual, not as a marital partnership. Why should people be in relationships that they're stuck in? Thing I do till death do us part. Couples in Mexico City who want to get married, but not forever, may be able to soon get a temporary marriage license. You're, you're, you're buying a car or a lease with an option to buy. So I have to ask the question, does culture have it right? Or is there something better? But when you finally get past that and you say, no matter what, I'm committed to you, I want to give more, I want to serve more, then that sets a tone that betters the world. Is there a way to do family that really works? What can we learn from history, ancient tradition, modern psychology, from religion, from other cultures? But marriage is not a contract. It is a vow. A vow is a very different thing. It's where you dedicate your life to another person. And there aren't any terms. It's not a promise to do some specific thing, but a gift of the person. Might that solution provide a pathway to healing broken hearts, reducing poverty, combating violence and injustice? What if that solution also points to the ultimate question of our need to belong, to be loved, to be part of something enormous and greater than ourselves? Join me on a journey of discovery as we literally search the world for answers. We need love to live.
So that's the movie Irreplaceable, and it's a very touching and very powerful movie, right? So I encourage you, you have time, 6 November. Uh, we need you guys to sign up because we're still deciding on the location, all right? If there's a lot of us, then we'll have it in the worship center, if not one of the chapels, okay? So uh, we need you guys to register, all right? Now, let's all just pray right now before we go into the message. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you uh, for today that we can revisit... Um, your design for the family, and we pray that even as this message is being preached, Father, we ask for your heart, uh, our hearts to, to be opened up by your Spirit, O oh Lord, so that we will be able to hear what you're whispering to the churches in this time, in this day, and this age, O oh Lord. So Lord, be with us even as we go through this message. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Okay, so today uh, I'm going to talk about the family unit the way God designed it, uh, family, love in the midst of imperfection. And the first part, I'm going to talk about the design of the family unit. For that, I want to turn you to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 28. We want to go all the way back to the start of the Bible to understand what was God's intention when He created the family. And I'm just going to read it to you. You can follow the slides on the screen. And this is verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. That's why impossible burger is biblical. Okay. <laughs> you shall have them as food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning in the sixth Day. Now, something very important to pick up from this passage in Genesis is the reason why God created man. When God created man, number one is to worship Him. But to worship Him, how? How does God want us to worship Him? You see, when God created man, when man was created, both male and female, God gave them a mandate. And that's found in verse 1, verse 28. It says that God blessed them and He said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds, and over every living thing. Means man's mandate by God when God created man was to rule and reign over the earth. Why? So that the glory of God can be manifested to the whole earth. So God's mandate to mankind is to be his representative on the earth to be his image bearers. Mankind is supposed to reflect the image of God over the whole earth. And that's why the command is to fill the earth, multiply and fill the earth so that God's glory will fill the whole earth through men. So that is the mandate that was given. Now, when we, when, when we move down 
uh, further down into chapter 2, you find that God makes this very um, important statement. He says this, It is not good that man should be alone. And a lot of times we take this verse and we use it at a wedding. It is not good for man to be alone. And all the men say, Now you know why we need the marriage course to rise next year, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is not good for men to be alone. It's not just in the context of marriage. Actually, it's in the context of relationships. Mankind is supposed to reflect the image of God. And what is God's image? What is the nature of God? God is a relational God. And when man is supposed to be his image bearers, we too must bear the image of God that says he is a relational God. Therefore, mankind must never be in isolation. That's why it's not good. That's why it's not good. Okay? And when mankind is in relationship with God, he draws life from God. He draws God's righteousness, God's mercy, God's patience, God's kindness. And from when he has received all this from God, he's able to give it to all of creation. That is man's role as image bearers. Okay? So Adam was in perfect communion with God, but it was still not good because he had no relationship with someone that's similar to him. And God made Eve from the side of Adam, from Adam's rib. Okay? Took out of his side. So, I want to show you something very beautiful um, that is missing in the English language, but it's actually found in the Hebrew, okay? Um, for the Hebrew uh, word that used to describe man or husband and wife or, or women, all right? The word for man is ish. The word for women is isha, okay? So, if you're married, I want you to turn right now to your partner and call him either ish or isha, Okay? <laughs> Well, I'll write some of these words okay, on, on the board. Okay. This is Ish and Isha. Okay. You all can read, right? Okay. All right. Now, so there's something very interesting here, uh, just to help you guys. Uh, by the way, uh, there is no, um, there's no vowels in this. Okay, these are all just the alphabets without the vowels. Okay, in Hebrew, you're supposed it is assumed that you know what vowels go in there, right? That's why it's such a difficult language. Now, there's something very interesting here. Uh, the spell is actually found in the spelling of the word that is used for men and used for women or husband and wife. There are two letters which are similar, and those two letters are this one, you find it, and this one. Okay, the aleph, which is silent, and the shin, okay? So these two. These two are the similar ones. And then there's a difference, two different letters, which is the yod and the hay. Okay? The yod and the hay. Now, it's very interesting to note this, that for mankind, God made men and women equal in value. That's why you find that there's two, there's two uh, letters that are similar. They are equal. Means mankind is um, male and female were equal, were equal in value, were equal in substance. One is not above the other. But having said that as well, you find that mankind is different, is different as well. So both of them have actually different letters, which is this one, the yod and the H. 
Now, what, does, what is this word here when you put it together? This word is actually the word, yeah. What is that word? Which I think most of you will recognize this word, right? It's actually the word, Yahweh. So men and women, you have your distinctiveness. You carry something about you, uh, uh, within you about God that is distinct one from the other. The man carries the yod, the first letter, right? The first letter. And the woman carries the second letter, okay? So normally we say it's Yahweh, but in a lot of other parts of Scripture, uh, the way they call God is just Yah. Not Yahweh, but Yah. Right? So it's a reference to God. So males, we carry this aspect of God. And women, you carry this aspect of God. So in order for us to fully express the nature of God, the glory of God to the whole world, both must come together. You need male and female in the family to show the full glory of God. You need both. It cannot just be this one. It cannot just be this one. It has to be male and female. And that's why for us as Christians, fundamentally, our belief is marriage has to be between a man and a woman because both represents different distinctiveness or different aspects of God's nature. I think you all know, right? Like men, um, a lot of times the symbol is authority. The symbol is strength. But for women, it's not that. Women, there's that relational aspect. We're, we're very different, okay? I know I'm generalizing, okay? But even um, on the surface level, we see that difference. Why? Because fundamentally, God made us different to reflect so that when both comes together, we reflect the glory of God. Now, something's very interesting. When men and women choose to ignore God, choose to take God out of, um, out of the equation, you only have these two letters the same. Okay, these two letters together. What does these two letters spell actually? It's actually the word ash, which means fire, which means destruction. So when in a marriage, if you take God out of the picture of marriage, what you will have left is actually destruction. And this is something very beautiful that we see in the Hebrew language that a lot of times is missing in the Bible because of translation. All right? So men and women, as one unit together, reveal the fullness of God's glory. And that's why marriage is so powerful in the Garden of Eden. Okay? Not just to the children that they reveal the glory, but all of creation. All of creation. And that's why as Christians, we always stand with the fact that marriage is between one man and one woman. And as a church, that is what we should stand for. Alright? So when both comes together, both display the glory of God to all of creation. Okay? So that is God's design for the family unit. God's design for marriages is to reveal the glory of God to the whole earth. But we all know what happened after that, right? Which brings me to point number two, the fall of the family, right? There's the sin that comes in. Sin came into the family unit and destroyed the family. Now, um, being Asian, right, or being Singaporean, sorry, being Malaysian, <coughs> 
uh, when, when we read scriptures, sometimes not enough drama, lah, okay, because of our accent, right? So uh, I got the help of a particular video. I'm going to dramatize a little bit Genesis chapter 3 and what happened at the fall, okay? So you can turn your eyes to the screen. This is Genesis chapter 3 in dramatic reading, okay? The serpent, snake, was the savviest of all of the creatures in the Creator's perfect planet. The reptile surveyed the scene with keen snake eyes. Streetwise, armed with an arsenal of plausible lies, he slithered up to Eve, the woman, from her blind side preserving the element of surprise. And he said, Hello, child. How was your day? I overheard your conversation. I just had one simple question. Exactly what did the Creator say? That thing about the tree, the evil and the good, how do you know that you understood? Did he really say what you think you heard? Maybe your mind twisted up the words. Did he say hands off all the plants? Don't look, don't touch, don't taste. What a waste that would be. Eve, the woman, pointed out the tree with the taboo, the tree of the knowing, the good and evil too. She told the snake that God had made it drop dead clear that everything else was free, every other tree. But if they took one tiny taste of the fruit of this particular one, they would absolutely, positively crash and burn. said the snake, faking genuine concern. The deity's afraid of what you're gonna learn. With just one bite, you'll be just like him. Eyes wide open, knowing the heights of what humans can do, knowing the depths, the despicable too. God would have no tactical advantage over you. You and your man could have the run of the place, total control over the food you eat, the life you live, the path you choose. With just one small bite, you could gain the whole green world. And that means that God of yours would lose. The woman Eve walked closer and closer to the tree. She sniffed and felt the fruit against her cheek. Totally wise, with open eyes, she said. What's wrong with that? Maybe my man and I were born for this. Born to know, born to control, born to rule. She swallowed hard and it was done. She gave some to her covenant partner, Adam. He opened his mouth and gobbled it down and the universe was silent. 
It was the cool part of the day, and God was walking, walking through the land he made. His ecosystem so magnificently put together, about to erode, about to implode before his sad and timeless eyes. He took one long last look and kissed the innocents goodbye. you hiding, son? Eve? Girl? What have you done? The ground. It's broken now. Under a curse. From bad to worse. Now your eyes are wise and clear. Now you know shame. Now you know fear. Now you know you're naked. Now you run for cover. Well, here's what's gonna happen. Life will be shorter. Pain will be greater. Work will be harder. Grinding it out by the sweat on your brow, the blood on your hands. Eve and Adam, even the bond you have will now be strained, slightly off, distorted, refrained. And as for you, reptile snake, Adam will crush your head. You will strike and bite his heel. You will feel the weight of the consequences of what you've done for eons. He looked them in the eye with a sigh. It's broken now, he said. And the serpent, he just smiled. You all can come out from your jacket right here. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a video like that to show actually what truly happened in Genesis 3. Like sometimes we just read it as like a story, but actually on that very day, there were so many implications that happened. So many things happened in the spiritual realm. You know, and I just want to bring you through some of the things to see what went wrong with the family in the Garden of Eden. Okay, and verse, you can see, uh, I'm just going to run you through very quickly some of the verses. From verse 1, he says, He said to the woman, You will not surely die, this is a serpent, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I want you to know this, that the serpent did not go to Adam, the serpent went to Eve. Intentionally to break the order that God established in creation. And that's the deception of the serpent. Actually, very interesting. Everything that he said is not a lie, except for the first one, when he said, you will not surely die. But Eve's focus was so much on what was good for her 
It's like, wow, if I eat this, uh, I can be elevated. I can, I can be somebody so much wiser, so much better. I don't need to live under the rule of God. I can make my own rules. I mean, the whole earth is mine, right? And verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So sin entered into creation when we choose, when Adam and Eve chose to redefine the family to redefine the order that God gave. You see, what should be the right way to approach this? The right way is this. Eve is meant to ask Adam, and Adam is meant to ask God, is it right to eat of the fruit? But instead, Eve took matters into her own hands, and she took counsel from the serpent, one that is, she's supposed to rule and reign over. And that's why the whole family was broken. And the consequences was that verse 7, that both of their eyes were open, they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Shame, brokenness, broken relationships, pride, uh, self-sufficiency, all came in. The desire to elevate oneself, do whatever that I want, all came in. And that's why the family broke that day. The family was broken that day. And all of this was very evident in Adam's conversation and Eve's conversation with God. When God asked them, where are you? And they responded, the man blamed the, the, the woman, the woman blamed the, the serpent. The man said, the woman whom you gave to me, uh, this tzabo, no? no? She was the one, no? Like, you, you are the one who gave, how come like that, broken? You know, she was the one who gave me the fruit. And God asked the woman, what have you done? The woman said, you know, the serpent no, deceived me. The soil was broken because none wanted to take ownership of what they have done wrong. So at the fall, humankind, as a result of sin, the relationship with God is broken. The connection to the life source is broken. And that's why today, humankind can never give fully to the family. We cannot fully reflect the image of God in our families into the world. Why? Because that source is broken. That source is broken. And that's the consequence of sin, that we fail in our roles as image bearers. Some of you may be asking, you know, you say, hey, actually, my family not too bad. Leh. Maybe once in a while, got squabbles, but... Quite, quite good, no. See, the problem with that thinking is this. We have never experienced what family is meant to be without sin. Our understanding, our experience of family life is always in the context of sin. That's why we, we are so used to it. That's our only definition. But family life is so much more. Relationships in the family can be so much more. What Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden is so much better than the best family life that you can experience today in the world. The original sin broke everything in the family and we 
are recipients of the consequences of Adam and Eve up to this very day. When they said, I want to step out of God's design. I want to step out of God's will. I want to make my own rules. I want to define what is right and what is wrong. We are still suffering from the consequences. Let me just give you a, 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 a brief uh, a summary of what's happening um, in the world uh, today, in particular in America. When a nation chooses to come out of God's design and to say, I want to define what is right and wrong myself, this is what will happen to that country. Okay, in 1960s, there was a very big movement in America called the Sexual Revolution. Initially, it started as, um, uh, as, as a promotion for, for women's rights because women were, were, were greatly oppressed, you know, so they wanted to, to work, they wanted equality with men, which is not a bad thing, but it soon became uh, something about freedom for all. You do whatever you want. If it makes you happy, just do it, all right? That's why the hippie culture came out of it, and you have things like drugs, alcohol, sexual freedom. I sleep with whoever that I want. No one's going to judge me because ultimately it's about me, what I want to do. Now, what has happened to America since the 1960s? Okay? The number of children living with two parents in 1960, father and mother, in 1960, 73%. Today, 46%. One in every two, two children are not living with two parents in a household. The number of the divorces, 1969.2, today, 14.9. You think like, eh, actually not too bad, like, the divorce rate, not so high, right? But there's a reason for it. Because if you look at the next stats, the number of singles that get married every year is only 33% of the entire population. Most desire not to get married at all. I just want to sleep around. Once I'm done, you know, with this, this individual, I'll move on to the next. I'd rather I can have kids without the family. And the number of births outside of marriage from 5% today is 40%. And, of course, there's an increase of mental illness. And there's one more stats which I didn't put on the, on the screen. is that they surveyed 14-year-old uh, girls and 14-year-old boys in, in one of the states in America. And they discovered this, that for girls, 46% of 14-year-old girls has had sexual intercourse. One in two. And for the boys, 74%. Almost every other 14-year-old boy has had sexual intercourse. And of course, we all know, um, if you look... Sorry, just get one slide, yeah. As you, as you look at the society in America, this has led you know, to things like deadly um, mass shootings in America. It's on the increase. Violent crimes, um, drug overdose. And if you look at America today, the supposedly the land of the free, the land of, of what what we're supposed to have, equality, and, and all those things. You look at it, and they celebrate things like um, uh, uh, the redefinition of family, redefinition of gender, redefinition of marriage. I want to be who I want to be. I don't want to let any God dictate how I should live. And that's why in, in, in the churches there, if you stand on traditional marriage, traditional family, you will be persecuted. If you look at the next slide, you cannot have any Christian values anymore. In a Christian nation, in the land of the free, you will be persecuted. 
And it's very sad. This is the consequence of the original sin where men said, my way, not God's way. My design of the family, not God's design. And this is what America is going through today. Even though every other research has shown that the family unit is indispensable in order to have a thriving society. You know, in, in one sense, I'm grateful that Singapore, even though there's a move to move away from 3 cents on A, but the government is making some, some efforts, you know, to solidify the definition of marriage and family. I'm still grateful for that. And this is the environment that our children will be growing in because the kingdom of darkness is going to come and it's going to put so much pressure on our nation to say we need to legalize same-sex marriage. We need to redefine family. We need to redefine gender. And this is the environment that our kids will grow up in. Our churches will go through in the future. So what should we do as Christians? What should we do as churches? Where do we stand? Where is our hope even for our families? Where is the hope for us? And that brings me to the final point. The hope for the family, for all of us, is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. Read to you very quickly Romans chapter 8, verse 35, 37, 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? In all these things, we are more than conquerors in he, through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, or any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus went to the cross so that our connection with the source is restored. And that's why he says in John 10.10, 10, I have come that you may have life. Why? Because you're connected back to the source of life. And when you're connected back to the source of life, you are able to give life wherever you are. So you see, the, the implication of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is so much more than just to get you into heaven. It's to restore everything that was lost, including the family unit at the Garden of Eden. Everything that was lost is restored back to you. Jesus returned back the authority to you so that in every oppressing situation where the enemy is coming against you like a flood, you can stick your stand and command the enemy to go. Why? You have authority. It's been restored. And Jesus gave us healing on the cross, not just physical, but emotional and spiritual healing. You don't have to live bounded to your anger. Bounded to your pride, bounded to your self-sufficiency, you can break away because Jesus has given you freedom and wholeness. And when you do that, your family will receive you whole. Not one that is bounded by all these things. But some of you may be asking, hey, but how come we're all Christians, we receive all this on the cross of Jesus, you know, but why are my family so imperfect, Right? Like 20% of our young people wish they, they live in a different family, right? Why is it so? Because we still live 
in the already and the not yet. Jesus has won an ultimate victory on the cross, but the work of salvation is progressive all the way until the day He returns. That's why for us as Christians, our hope, not just for us, not just for uh, um, uh, the things that we pray for, our hope for our families is on that day when He returns and He makes all things new. Okay, Revelation 21 verse 1 to 5. And it says, I saw a new heaven, a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be them with them and be their God. And He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the all, all order of things has passed away. And he said, he who was seated on the throne says, I am making all things new. When Jesus returns, the family unit will be fully restored. Will be fully restored. I don't know whether you realize this, but do you realize that all of us here, when we live in our family life right, we assume that one day, one of us will pass away. All of us are going to pass away anyway, right? But when Jesus comes back, do you know death is no longer an issue? That we will live forever in new bodies. And that's the hope we have. Now some of you, you may have spouses, you may have loved ones that are separated by death, but on that glorious day, Jesus said, I will make all things new. The dead in Christ will rise. We will all be united once again. That's the hope that we have as families. He will make all things new. No more sin in the family, no more shame, no more brokenness. Everything will be restored. And that's why it's called our glorious hope. But for today, we still live in the already, but the not yet. So how do we live? It's my firm conviction that as the kingdom of darkness is rising up and trying to infiltrate into the family unit, trying to redefine the family, gender and marriage, that the church and our family units are the last line of defense against an advancing enemy. How we do our marriages matter. How we do our parenting matters. How we do our family life as singles matter. Because there's an enemy that's coming like a flood against us. And we need to rise up to our roles to be the image bearers of God to our families and to our society. So how can we do that? Let me leave you with one last application point. And as I ask the worship team to come up, and it's this. You know, church, whether you're single, you're married, you're a parent, or you're not a parent, the best gift you can give to your family is a whole self. One that is whole and free, actively connected to the source. So I want to encourage you that as we journey together on this series, it's a very short journey, only three messages, but as we journey together, 
I want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to your hearts those areas of your life that is broken, those areas of your life that is not connected to the source, those areas of your life that's been bounded by the fall. Things like anger, things like pride, self-sufficiency, the refusal to acknowledge that I am wrong. All of this, allow the Holy Spirit to surface all this so that our families will be able to have us whole. And when we are whole, there is freedom in the family. There's liberty. There's going to be such a beautiful environment that you create in your family because you chose to be connected back to the source. So that's my encouragement to you as we move on in this series. That as At the end of the day, we will all rise up to our roles as image bearers in our family unit. Amen. Now, before I end today, I want to do something... Um, five minutes. I want to do something uh, a bit significant here. And I want to invite those of you who are heads of your house, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. All the heads of the house. Some of you may be single parent, you know, you stand to your feet as well. Whether you're a wife or whether you're a husband, you know, stand to your feet. You know, and as I was praying for you guys in this message, you know, I really sense from the Lord, the word for the Lord, for you guys specifically, for this message is this. It starts with you. It starts with you. If you don't move closer to the source, if you don't move closer to what God has bought for you on the cross, restore back to you, to take hold, to move out of bondage, you know what? Your family will be where it has always been. But if you choose today, say, God, I want to lay down my pride. I want to step up. I don't care what happens to my wife. I don't care how she responds. I don't care how my children respond. Start with me. I want to take that first step. I want to challenge you today, heads of the house, to rededicate your life once again to the Lord. To say, God, I want to lay down my pride. I want to lay down what I think is right. And I want you to come and to change me first so that by doing that, my household will be blessed and me and my household will be able to serve the Lord all days. So, so here's what we're going to do. If that is what your desire is, I'm not going to force all of you to come down. I'm going to invite you to come down to the front. No one's going to pray for you and rededicate yourself to the Lord. Just say a simple prayer to the Lord. Say, God, start with me. Let me be the change in my family. Deal with the insecurities. Deal with the pride in my life. So as Sam begins to lead us in this song, I want to invite those of you that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in your heart, heads of the households, to come to the front and once again lay down your life. Say, God, connect me back to the source. As we sing this song, I invite you to come to the front. your friend just whisper a prayer to the Lord you know and just say God all of me deal with me God 
deal with me, Lord. And once you feel that, you know, you have, uh, God has done something with you, you have heard the Lord, you know, you can return back to your seats, okay? So this is just a moment between you and God, okay? For the rest of us, can I advise to stand as we sing this song together? of you at the front, can I just invite you to just open up your hands before the Lord as I pray for you. Hallelujah. Father Lord, let's pray right now. Let your presence come and fill every life that's at the front, Lord. Father, for many of my brothers and sisters that are at the front here, Lord, Father, the fires are just, Lord, you know, the it's like a candle, a flickering flame, O Lord. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus this very day for every head of the house that their candles will be burning brightly, O Lord. That every head of the house that's standing here, O Lord, will no longer succumb to temptation, will no longer be bounded by pride, by self-sufficiency, by anger, Lord, or, or the way that they'll be brought up. But Lord, in the name of Jesus, you set every one of them free that they may rise up in their roles, O Father, to be the, the, the image bearers of God in their their family, Lord. So, Lord, this very day, oh, Father, anoint every single one of them that's standing here, oh, Father, 
and place it deep within their hearts, O oh Lord, that unless, O oh Lord, the head of the house moves, O oh Lord, nothing in the family will change, O oh Lord. So Lord, this day, myself included, we ask of you, Lord, start with us. Start with us, O oh Lord. Because we, Lord, we are the ones that are meant to take leadership in the house, Lord. So start with us, O oh Lord. And God, we pray for every family in River Life Church, O oh Lord, that our families will not be one that's overwhelmed by the pressures of society, but our families will be strong in the name of the Lord. Our children will grow up to be like arrows that you can use, O oh Lord, for your kingdom, O oh Lord. So Lord, we declare this over every family in River Life Church, O oh Lord, that our families will not be defeated by the kingdom of darkness. Our children will not be stolen by the enemy, O oh Lord. But every generation after us, O oh Lord, our generation included, will declare the powerful and the glory of God to the whole earth, O oh Lord. So Lord, we give you thanks that in Christ Jesus, you have made all things possible for us, O oh Lord. So Lord, we go forth today in your power, O oh Father, and in your strength, O oh Lord. So we thank you, Lord, and we bless you because you are our source, you are our life, and you are a good Father to us, O oh Lord. So we bless you this day, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody, every head of the house say, Amen. 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 I'm going to pronounce the... Sorry that we went over time a little bit, but I'm going to pronounce the benediction, you know. But for some of you here, I know a topic like family can be a bit sensitive, you know, and you carry with you hurts and disappointments, things that you can't get off. I want to invite you after the benediction is pronounced to come to the front and allow us to pray together with you, to stand together with you, and to just intercede until the day we see breakthrough comes into your family, alright? So if that is you, come to the front after I pronounce the benediction, alright? So let's all lift our hands as I pronounce the blessings of the Lord. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of our Heavenly Father and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest and be with you until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go in the blessings of the Lord. If you like prayer, please come to the front and our pastors and elders are here to pray together with you. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, Find us on Facebook, Instagram or head on over to riverlife.org.sg God bless and have a great week ahead.